All right, well, praise the Lord for birthdays, and we can celebrate them. And uh, take your Bible, John's Gospel, chapter number 11 this morning. John's Gospel, chapter number 11, find that place if you will. John's Gospel, chapter number 11, we have been studying the seven conversations the Lord has had or has in the, with women in this Gospel. Uh, the Bible records seven specific conversations. And in this chapter, we see the Lord having a conversation uh, with two women, two sisters. There's one with, first with Martha and then the second with Mary. And we looked at uh, this this message is taking three weeks to get through. We got an introduction to Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. And then we looked at the conversation with Martha last week. But it really kind of left you hanging a little bit. We didn't really finish what's going on. We saw with Martha here how Martha, uh, her brother has died. She's distraught. She comes to the Lord and she says in verse 21, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. And then the Lord goes on to encourage her faith. She makes the statement, thy brother, where she says in verse 22, I know that even now whatsoever though uh, God will ask, he will give thee. And uh, he makes the statement in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she says in verse 27, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And so as we talked last week, Mary has what we call a fundamental faith. Mary has faith that's words, and, and it's true words, and she believes those words. And, but there is a disconnect with Martha, and there's a disconnect with Mary, as we will see in this message, where there is a belief in something, but then there is the problem where we actually live what we believe, where we take the two and put them together. We all have Bible verses in our heads, and we all know these things, but there comes a time when we actually have to... Uh, put those words into practice. And so the Lord has this conversation with Martha. And then we'll pick up our message in verse 27 today, and we'll make our prayer after we are done reading. She saith, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son which come, which come to the world. And when she had said so, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into town, but was in the place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house, and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out and followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was, she saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And said, Where have ye laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, uh, Behold how he loveth him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused even that this man should not have died? Father, we're thankful we can be here. Thank you for the young people today and the songs and, and Lord, their youth and their uh, zeal and their excitement. We thank you, Lord, that there are children in the building. We thank you, Lord, for 
everybody who's here today. What a blessing to be with God's people. Now, Lord, we come apart for just a few moments to hear from heaven, to hear what the Bible has to say, to be strengthened that we, as we go out into a world that's um, needs Christ, a world that's just lost and, and, and groveling and, and, and crawling in the dark, trying to find its way. Yet, Lord, we have the light of the world. We have that which will help them. And may we go forth this week uh, to tell them with what we've learned as we not only say it, but we live it. Bless this time, we ask now in Jesus' name. Amen. We come to conversation number five. Martha's conversation would be number four in our list of conversations the Lord has had with the women. So it's the same day, the same hour, basically the same event. It's, it's over the death of Lazarus. The brother has died. And so Martha meets him first, and the Lord has that conversation. And then we see Mary coming out, and Mary is now uh, going to uh, leave her company. She's in a house. There are mourners in the house, and, and, and it's kind of a custom in Bible days that people would come to the house, and their sole purpose was there to mourn with you. They would cry, and they would wail, and they would weep, and, and, and be with you in your discomfort. And, and so they would be there for however long it may have taken or whatever the case may be to to mourn with you so the house is filled with mourners and now we we learn from this story that he's already been dead and uh, he's in the grave uh, for quite some time now Uh, for four days he is laid in that grave so for four days these mourners have been in the house with Mary and Martha weeping with them And, and 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 to in this story, and with all these stories, what we try to do is we all know the familiar verses in these stories. And I'm trying to not ignore those verses, but maybe uh, get further behind the scenes and understand the situations and look at some verses that we sometimes may gloss over, but see the powerful impact that are in these verses that God has for us. Now, again, the Lord Jesus Christ has not reached the inside of the village. Martha met him on the outside of the house and of the boundaries there. And, and when their conversation is over, uh, for the moment, she runs back to the house where Mary is. And I want you to notice what she does. It says in verse 28, when she had said so, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly. I want you, I, I noticed this. Listen, I've read this story a thousand times in my lifetime. I've, I've preached at funerals from this message many times, but I never really concentrated on that phrase, how she told her sister secretly. She came to her with a house full of mourners and people crying, and she reaches over to her sister and she whispers in her ear so that nobody else in the house could hear that the Lord Jesus Christ has now arrived. So again, if she had come through the door, now here's the first thought I want to give you. And again, this is not going to shatter your life and world impact, but it is a thought I want you to see. First of all, she comes into the house filled with mourners, and if she had come through the door, if Martha had burst through the door and yelled in the house that Jesus is now here, everybody in the house would have emptied out and uh, went to meet the Lord. And again, there's nothing wrong with public conversations. But there are times and many times when we need a one-on-one conversation when nobody else is around. At times as a pastor, I go to visit people. Sometimes I'll go with my wife, and my wife and I will make visits. And other times where I go, and it's just me making a visit because it's necessary for me to have just a a one-on-one to help somebody with what they're going through, and they'll feel more comfortable with just a one-on-one conversation. 
We've all been there. We've all had them. And, and we need to talk to somebody alone without anybody else around. It's always uncomfortable when you say, listen, I need to talk to you alone. Whatever you can say to me, you can say in front of these people. And, and it's like, oh, here we go. And next, and because you know you can't have a one-on-one because somebody back there is going to chime in and say something. That's why it's difficult witnessing to somebody sometimes one-on-one. I've had Christians hinder a soul-winning conversation by throwing things in there. Pastor, tell him about tithing. He, he doesn't even understand salvation. You want to, I got Christians don't understand tithing, and you want me to explain it to a lost sinner about tithing. Can we get them saved first? And, and can, I feel like, but I'm too nice a guy to simply say, can you just shut up? Just shut up or go out. I'm too nice to say that, but I'm thinking. I want you to know I think those thoughts. You don't think them, but I think them. So sometimes you have to have a one-on-one, a personal time where you can talk to somebody because people are more apt to open up if they're one-on-one and not have multiple people around you. And so she tells her sister that the Lord says that she, Mary, can go out and meet the Lord and have a one-on-one like she has just had a one-on-one conversation with him. It's also important in our our prayer life. When we pray, we are having a one-on-one conversation. It's okay. I didn't realize. I I was in the back uh, dealing with some things, and and I called on John to pray. And he said he prayed for the, uh, he opened the service. So John did double prayer time today. He'll get extra in his uh, paycheck this week for that. But uh, so John did double duty. That's what I get for not paying attention there. So John made a public prayer twice today. Now, how, how we pray publicly oftentimes is different than how we pray privately. And it should be, by the way. How I talk to Jesus when I'm by myself is not how I talk when I'm... Because there it is a, a God, a father-child relationship. And I don't talk to him when I'm in front of everybody like that. It may be personal, may, I may say it, but it's, it's different. And I hope yours is different as well. So our prayer light and our devotions are very vital. And we see this place where she comes secretly to the Lord. And when Mary appears in verse number uh, of this chapter, Mary appears to be more emotional than Martha. We've already seen this earlier. What was when the Lord came to her house? Who was serving and who was listening? Martha was busy serving food, but Mary wanted to listen to what Jesus had to say. Mary seems to have this devotion. And when she comes to him in verse number 32, she said, When Mary was come where Jesus was, she saw him, and she, what? Fell down at his feet. This is the second time we're going to see her. Actually, the third time at the feet of Jesus. The first time she's at the feet of Jesus is when he, she's in the house. He's in the house, and she's listening to him, and she's listening to him as she sits at his feet and listens to his teaching. The other time is when she takes her hair and she wipes the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we find her here in this middle part where she falls at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ as she comes to meet him. My friend, there's no better place to be than at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, where we can listen to him, where we can learn from him, where we can adore and we can worship him. Mary is in a good place and it reflects in her great devotion. So again, we see her fervency and how she, as soon as she heard that the Lord was there, the Bible says how she uh, made haste. In verse 29, as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. There was no delay. There was no, let me think about it. Let me pray about this. And by the way, there's some things in life you just don't have to pray about. God tells you to do it. You just go ahead and do it. 
I wonder if I should go to church today. I should pray about that. No, no. I wonder if I should witness to that person. No. I wonder if I should serve God. No. You do those things. Don't pray about those. Those are just go ahead. Those are gimmies. You're supposed to do those things. But so she came with haste. Jesus is outside. I wonder if I should go see Jesus. No, I'm going to go see Jesus. My world's falling apart. My brother's dead. And we don't know what we're going to do. Best place I can do is get in touch with Jesus. I must tell Jesus, Jesus alone. Jesus can help me. Jesus alone, as that great song says. And if we learn that, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Mary made haste and came to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. And if every child of God would make haste to get to the Lord Jesus Christ when our world is falling apart, we would do better at the end of the day than we would imagine. So again, see, we see her quick devotion here. And so many people keep things, things keep them from church. Things rise up and, and will let things keep us from God. Nothing could keep Mary from getting to the Lord. Again, we see the Jews followed her in the house. And they said in verse number 31, she's going to the grave to weep. The comforters were confused about Mary's sudden leaving, but soon found out the reason she left so quickly. And what does she do? In her haste to get out, they follow her thinking she's going down to the cemetery, but instead she takes them to the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, where you go influences people more than you realize. I had a man years ago, he goes, you look familiar to me. Um, and I always get nervous when people say that. I don't really think I've done anything bad, but it's like, oh. and uh, he's looking at me. <laughs> people start staring at me like, I'm, I don't know where I've been. I've been I'm from Kearney and uh, graduated 82, uh, worked for a plumbing company. Uh, he goes, you go to that church, don't you? That's <laughs> like the one in the corner. He goes, yeah, that's where I saw you. I see you at that church all the time. You're down there a lot. What do you do down there? <laughs> that's where I live. The kids think I live here, by the way. <laughs> kids in church think, I think I live here. I tell them we've got a stove downstairs, bathrooms, we've got a bathtub here. I'm, I can live here, amen? I'm fine. So, so there's certain kids in our church think this is where I hang out. And uh, it, it's, it's really between this building and my house, it's really how many hours I spend places. But uh, my friend, where we go influences people. You have influence. You're going to go to bad places. You're going to influence people to go to bad places. You do bad things. Well, you don't realize just how much our children are influenced by us. How somebody And somebody looks up to you. You may not think so, but somebody looks up to you. And somebody thinks you are all that. You don't think you're all that. I don't think I'm all that. But somebody out there thinks you are all that. And how important it is that we... Be all that to be important. You know, I don't. I'm a. I'm old fashioned. I, I like a movie where the good guy's the good guy and the bad guy's the bad guy. I like it when the good guy wins and the bad guy gets dead. That's how I like it. Amen. I don't like bad guys who's a good guy, but he's sometimes good, but he's sometimes bad. But he's it's not. No, he's bad and he needs to go. Amen. That's how I. In, in the movie world, the, the good the, they need to shoot that guy, and and and, and this movie will be over in five minutes. Amen. That's how we need to operate around here. That's how I think about things. If they had just killed Gilligan, they would have been off that island in five minutes. Right? That's how I roll. But they stayed there for 15 years because they kept dealing with that idiot. <laughs> so that's where I live. That's how I operate. But we, people influence us, and we should influence others by what we do. 
And, and, and again, I, we, we all have heroes that we looked up to. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's somebody in church. Maybe it's somebody out there, but somebody we look up to. And everybody has a hero, by the way. Everybody, every kid does. Maybe make-believe comic book. Maybe somebody in Hollywood. It may be somebody in the music industry. It may be somebody in the sports world. But how important it should be in their own home that they look up to their mother, their father, or the person who's there responsible for taking care of them. That's, and and they, we should never... We should not let them see uh, the glitch in our armor. Don't ever say, I want my kids to be better than me. You should be saying, I want my kids to be as good as I am. I want my kids to love Jesus Christ as much as I love Jesus Christ. I want my kids to be faithful to Almighty God as much as I am faithful to Almighty God. That's what you should be saying. That's what you should be saying and doing in your life. Mary, without realizing it, is bringing the crowd to Jesus Christ. In verse number 32, again, when Mary was come, she saw Jesus, she fell at his feet. And, and by the way, don't think you can't be that person. You can be. You can be. Don't ever live in defeat world, because Christ did not make you to live in defeat. My friend, the statement, the la one of the last statements was, it's finished, we, we won. Listen, it's not like we're going to win. You understand? We, we've already won. It's won. Don't look like it, but it's we've won. Doesn't matter what the score is. We've won. Jesus has given us the victory. Our enemy is defeated. Just as, as much today as it will be when it's all said and done. He's defeated. He's crushed. And Christ crushed his head with his death on Calvary's cross. So you can live in that victory. Don't stay there and, and uh, no, stop that. I wrote about that in the newsletter yesterday. If you get the newsletter, I hope you read it. It'll be an encouragement to you. So again, when she comes to him, she says the same thing. Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died, in verse number 32. It's interesting. She says that and Martha says that. Now, why would they both say that? Because I think, and I would bet everything on it, although we shouldn't bet, but... They've had this conversation in the house, you know. Mary, you know, if Jesus had been here, he, you know, he would have lived. Yeah, yeah. It's too bad Jesus couldn't get here because if he'd been here, our brother wouldn't have died. And they're not mad. They're not saying like, you know, he, they don't understand everything yet. So now that when they meet Jesus, this same conversation that's already been had in the house is now spoken publicly. Jesus, if you've been here. And I want you to notice the Lord does not answer Mary's question with a with verbal words he answered martha with verbal words i am the resurrection of the life he that believeth in me though he were dead yet shall he live he he, he expressed that he doesn't repeat that here in fact something else is going to happen now again in these verses i want us to notice some wording that goes on because, again, I, I'm going to say some things today, and I've really worried about this. I've really stressed about this because I, I, I don't want to hurt us. I want to help us. I want to encourage us here. I want us to I want to build up our faith. I want us to, to grow in our faith, and we all have to grow. It says in verse 33, When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, 
which came with her. Notice this phrase, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Now again, put yourself there. I want you to see this scene. Again, this, this, this is a, a scene of intense sorrow. Not only was Mary weeping, and that word weeping there in, in the Greek language is a word that means to wail, to lament loudly. Have you ever been to a funeral where you've seen people wailing? You've seen people lamenting loudly. I've, I've seen it. I've been to, I don't know how many funerals, not only for church people, but for strangers. Funeral pilots will call me, hey, they don't have a pastor. Would you preach? Yeah, I'll come down and preach the gospel. And I've seen people throw themselves in caskets and scream and wail and, and, and put on a, uh, this great emotional show. And sometimes it's real and sometimes it's as phony as a $3 bill. But you see this lamenting, this wailing. So the Lord's standing there and there is this wailing. And Mary is, is there and she is wailing. And Mary is lamenting loudly. And no doubt she is, has a genuine broken heart. And she is at a place now for four days. She is in this condition of, we can say, if she's unglued. She has become an emotional wreck where she is at this point of, of lamenting. And again, uh, we mentioned this earlier, according to Jewish customs, even the poorest families were expected to hire two flute players and a professional wailing woman. Can you imagine that? You got to hire somebody to wail for you. I don't know. I don't. Listen, I'm sorry. I know I'm breaking custom, but I'm not hiring you. I got enough problems. I don't need you. But they, it was all part of this demonstration. We wouldn't do that in our customs today, but they did it in Bible custom times. That was what they did. And since Mary and Martha and Lazarus were a prominent family, they likely would have even more professional mourners in addition to others who came to pay their respects. So this is a very chaotic scene, and Jesus was deeply moved. The Bible says, in spirit and was troubled, or he groaned in the spirit. Uh, we want to understand what is going on here. This word which the Lord uses here, and the Bible uses, and he says where he groaned. He groaned. What does exactly it mean? It appears three other times in the Bible. We see it where it's translated sternly warned or it's used in the phrase of scolding. It also includes the connotation of anger or outright indignation. We all concentrate on verse number 35 where it says Jesus wept and we'll get to that. But here before Jesus weeps, Jesus is groaning in the spirit and he's troubled. He is disturbed and he's kind of angry at what is going on and what they're doing here. Jesus appears to have been angry, not only the painful reality of sin and death, which Lazarus was uh, 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 a beloved example, but perhaps also with the mourners, people, again, understand this, they are acting or they are genuinely behaving themselves in a manner in which there is no hope. When we deal with death, we deal with it differently than others. Take your Bible and, if you will, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. 1 Thessalonians, and I'm, that's why I, I want to be careful, and this will extend to other things in a minute. 
1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. Find that place. You're familiar with this verse, and as soon as we read it, you'll say, okay, I know that verse. In 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, the Bible says this in verse number 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. In other words, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who have died, those you love who are asleep. And remember, asleep is a reference to a Christian. You're a Christian. You have a loved one who's died. They're sleeping. Their body's in the ground. He says, notice these last phrase. Please mark them and remember them, that ye sorrow not, as, even as others which have no hope. The Bible never tells us not to sorrow. The Bible talks about us sorrowing. The Bible talks about us grieving. God gave people time in the Bible to deal with death when it came and to deal with grief and to, and to have this time. But in that time, he says, I don't want you to act. I don't want you to behave yourself like those who have no hope. An atheist has no hope. When their loved one is dead, they're gone forever. And so therefore they may weep and wail and lament for days because they know that's all they ever had. But us as child of, children of God, our faith, we lament and we sorrow and we weep, but we know that there's coming a day when we will see them again. There is that promise, that joy. that Someday, but the, the, the parting, the separation in the meantime is painful. There's not a day goes by in my life where I don't think of one of my brothers or all three of my brothers. That was a painful experience to lose three brothers. My mother buried three sons. It was a painful experience. We've all wept when people have died. When I got the notice that my brother had passed away, my last brother, I flew down the highway from Fairfield and and came down and and, and ran into the house and, and, and fell upon my brother and and, and spent an hour in that room alone with my brother. I'm like, Forrest Gump, that's all I got to say about that. But my heart was broken. And as I was leaving my house with the family in the car and, and driving to the funeral to conduct my brother's funeral, I can feel myself coming unglued, to use the expression I used earlier. And I prayed, and I've told these this before, I prayed, and I'm like, Lord, I don't want to do this. I don't want to, I can't preach today. I can't get up there and talk to these people. I, I don't want to be here. And the Lord whispered, well, Matt, if you don't do it, who does? I said, well, Lord, if you'll help me, I'll do it. And God gave grace. Was it emotional? Yeah, of course, it still is. But I sorrow not as others which have no hope. I know there's coming a day. And the trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the, in the clouds with the Lord. We know we have that day coming. It's, it's a, so again, I, I've always compared it. I'm at work. They're all home, and I'm still at work. And I'll get home eventually, and God's good time. I'll get home. But right now, I'm still working. But I'll see them again. So when we pick up with, we go back to Mary and Martha. What's the scene? There is this wailing in their hearts like this is, this is almost to the point where the Lord's like, your faith, you know you have these words. 
You know your brother will rise again, but your actions over here are saying something completely different. And what did your mom used to tell us? Your actions speak louder than words. You can tell everybody all day long, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, but my friend, you better put some actions to it. And there comes a day when the Bible and the truth of the Word of God and how I live all come together and I walk that way. And I hate to say this, but Mary, this devout, godly woman, is acting in a way that's not backing up her words. Again, don't... I'm not saying everybody grieves differently. Everybody does it differently. So they don't seem like they were grieving. Everybody does it differently. Don't ever say that. Everybody deals with it differently. But as we deal with it, and again, this applies to everything. I trust Jesus with my life. The disciples believed that until they got out on the sea. <laughs> Lord, don't you care? We perish? You know, you boys, where's your faith? You think I'm going to let you drown out here? You think I'm going to let you die? Why do you have such little faith? Put some actions to it, boys. We see this all the time in Scripture. You, you say you trust me, but here you are screaming over there like you thought I forgot about you. In all manner of life, we ought to say, you know, we ought to be like Job, who lost everything. I forget the number. How many, what, Job lose seven children? Was it seven? Anybody? I should be, I'm the preacher, I should know this. And, and, and then his wealth and his health and everything. And, and what did he say? Even though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That's faith, isn't it? And we ought to be out there on a limb. And if God decides to cut this limb, if God wants me to die, then God wants me to die. I'll trust him no matter what. So in our story here, the Lord's looking at these people wailing. He knows who the professional mourners are, but he looks and he's looking at Mary. And the Bible says he is troubled and he groaning in the spirit. It, it bothers him that they, that they don't have the confidence in him to get them through this trial. That somehow the Lord let him down because if he had just been here, if he had just, boy, if he really been here, no, you don't understand. I'm, I've, I'm here. I've always been here and I've always will be here. I'm with you all the time. I'm, I never leave you nor forsake you. We've all, and if you have never had a terrible heartache or tragedy or sorrow in your life, well, hang on. Life will eventually catch up with you. You know, somebody, I read years ago, and I didn't like when I read as a young man, somebody said, you can't be a good preacher until you had a broken heart. And my friend, that's a, that's a Bible truth. You can't learn to have compassion until you've needed compassion. You can't weep with those who weep till you've actually wept yourself and learned to trust Almighty God when things were tough. And you, and you, you know, well, why did God do this to me? Well, why? Well, why? So, the words that we see here as, as he goes on, he says in verse number 35, Jesus wept. We all know this. We all joke about it. I'm going to memorize scripture. And we all learn John 11, 35. But not only memorizing it, the words mean things. And words have in, in scripture. And the word in verse number 33 where he says, we saw that word weeping, it means to wail, to lament loudly. 
This word here is a rare word. It's only used here once in the New Testament. Again, it's, again, it's the shortest verse, but it's, it's emphasizing the humanity of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53, verse number 3, calls him what? Man of what? Sorrows. So where do we, we see the man of sorrows here? And Jesus wept. Again, they see this and they say how he loved them. And again, this, this crying of the Lord Jesus Christ gives us some lessons. First of all, it shows the sincerity of God's love. Often in the midst of our trials, we're quick to accuse God of not loving us. And don't ever do that. Your faith ought to move beyond that. If God loved me, he wouldn't do this. No, God loves you. God loves you no matter what. Again, God is good all the time. And all the time, Satan is bad. And all the time, Satan is bad. You memorize those four little lines, you'll do all right in life. When, When Lazarus dies, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. You live there. Don't let Satan steal that from you. God loves us and God cares for us. It shows the steadfastness of God loves. This text reminds us that the affliction does not come because of diminished love by God. Affliction does not mean God loves us less. Even chastisement does not say God does not love us, but rather that he does love us. And God can prove his love to you in a cloudy day as well as a sunny day. And by the way, we can all say I have faith and I'm walking with God and I love God when the sun is shining. It's, it's when your faith is demonstrated when it's dark and dreary and the world is crumbling around you. That's when your faith comes into play. That's where you learn and, and trust God. And, and, and the world will see God in you. I don't like bringing these things up. I don't want to because it's not the Matt Swakowski show here. But again, when my father died in September, my brother died in October, and we bur- and, and buried mom on December 21st, all those and within a four-month span, it was a tough pill to swallow. But after that, somebody lost their mother, and they said, you know, I need to talk to you. Somebody who's not a Christian, somebody who knows our family, I need to talk to you. You just went through what you went through. How'd you do that? Because I'm having the hardest time dealing with the loss of my mother. Well, can I tell you about Jesus? Can I tell you about Jesus and how good Jesus is? I didn't lose anybody, by the way. I, I know exactly where they are. <laughs> and I know where they are. They're, they're doing just fine. They're doing better than I am right now. He wept over man's... He's weeping here. And again, this word weeping, it means to... He's not wailing. He is not uncontrollably sobbing. But there are tears streaming down the face of the Savior. As he looks around, and he sees all those around him, he sees the hurt, he sees the pain, he sees the sorrow. And my friend, God is touched by our grief. There's a song in our hymn, though we don't sing it too often. It's a kind of a sad song, but it's a good song, Does Jesus Care?, when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me, when my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks, is it aught to him does he see? And the chorus says, oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. As the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. Well, how do I know my Savior cares? Because Jesus wept. Jesus cares for me. 
In my sorrow, Jesus cares for me. Jesus cares. God did not make man so that man could suffer in sin. God did not make man so that man could know the sting of death. God did not make man so that man could know sorrow on top of sorrow. God made man the pinnacle of his creation so that God can walk with man and fellowship with man and talk with man and man can love him and God could love that man. That's why we were created, my friend, but sin has separated that. Christ came to restore that so that a fellowship could be restored. And we do it in spirit, but one day, my friend, we'll do it physically when the Lord returns. You say, when's he coming back? I don't know, but it's, I'll give you a piece of prophecy. Hang on. His return is closer today than it was yesterday. All right, that's, I'm going out on a limb confessing prophecy right there, but I'm letting you know that. He wept. Why? Because they had such little faith. You want to know what hurts the heart of God? It's our little faith. Why don't you believe me? You ever look at a kid and say, why don't you believe me, son? What, what, what do you think? you think I was going to give you a scorpion for supper? What do you, what do you think? You think I was going to poison you? What do you I'm your parent. I want to do good things for you. God looks, why, why don't you trust me? Am I a bad God? Am I a God who's mean and ugly? No. I'm a good God. I give you good things. And God does give us good things. Amen. Sin ruins them, though. So his stage is now set for the compassion. And, 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 and he's able now to substantiate his, his claims. I am the resurrection and the life. Yeah, we know that. Well, you, you don't act like it. You sure don't act like it. Oftentimes, the spouses may fight. And one may be more guilty of the other. And at the end of the day, I'm sorry. Then they have another fight. I'm sorry. Another fight. I'm... And eventually you say, you know what? If you're really sorry, maybe you wouldn't be doing these things to me. If you really love me, you wouldn't be hurting me so much. You wouldn't be afflicting me so much. You love something. You care for it. Well, my friend, he's about to substantiate his claim, and he, and he gives the answer here. And going back to Mary's statement in verse number 32, where he says, If thou had been here, my brother had not died. Again, it's interesting that the Lord does not address her statement. But the Bible and the Holy Spirit, our attention is drawn to the happenings around them. <clears throat> and the Lord will answer her and Martha's statements. <clears throat> this conversation that he has with these two individuals, really about the same topic. If you'd been here, our brother had not died. Two conversations, conversation number uh, four and, and conversation number five. Two sisters, the same topic. One gets a verbal answer. The other's about to get a, a show. <laughs> and I don't have time for it. You know the story. They go down to the graveyard, roll the stone away. You can't go in there four days. He's stinking. The bodies, I always like that phrase. It like, doesn't seem like it's biblical. If I was writing Bible, if I was going to, I don't think that's, is that a Bible word? Would God use that word? Amen. <laughs> Sometimes my brother Chester, Chet, your feet, they stink. I mean, he, he man, he's bad, but, and, you know, stink. <laughs> it's a Bible word. So you can use that sometimes. You know, thou stinketh. Thou needest soap, amen, <laughs> and get to the shower and whatever you may want to say there. But sometimes we stink. One, one day I came home from work, and I worked in a horrible house. I don't have time to gross you out, but it was bad. The house was bad. So I told you, some days you take your shoes off when you go into a house. Some days you take them off when you leave the house. And 
I, I, had, I told the boy, I'm leaving. I have to go home. I have to shower. And I did go home and went to the back door. And Renee came to meet me. She goes, who you? She goes, you don't tell nobody this, but you could take your clothes off here on the back porch. <laughs> You're not coming to the house smelling like that. And she got like st- sticks and she threw my clothes. She was burning, but she took them in the, threw them in the machine and uh, washed them several times. And I had a shower and go back to work. That was enough. You should get a day off after a day like that. It's 11 o'clock. I should just go home for the rest of the day. But stinketh, amen. It's a good word. Lazarus, again, not to be, but our bodies without embalming fluid, they decompose. Like in the miracle. The body, whatever killed Lazarus, something happened quickly, a stroke, an aneurysm, a heart attack. The body is decomposing, blood has stopped flowing, and the body is rotting. It's not good. That's why you seal them up in a tomb and nobody goes in there. It's bad. It's death for anybody who goes in there. Lazarus, come forth. And whatever killed him, And whatever corruption now is completely gone, and cells are made whole. (laughs) Flesh is made whole. The master speaks, and it's all well. And Lazarus comes out of that tomb, wrapped, mummified, unloose him and let him go. That's the end of the conversation. (laughs) I know my brother's going to rise again. and ah, Lazarus, my friend, now our loved one's, They're not coming out of the graves because we don't want them in there. But there is coming a day. There is coming a day when the Lord will shout and the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first. We're celebrating the resurrection because he rose from the dead. We too shall rise from the dead if we have believed upon him, if we've trusted him as Savior. So sometimes in our conversations there are action because that's what's necessary. Words will no longer suffice and we must demonstrate the answer. How does he solve the problems of their questions? If you've been here, our brother had not died. He simply chose to not speak but roll the stone away and give life to a dead corpse. Does that answer your questions? Now do you believe me? So there comes times in our life when our faith is here and our actions are here but we need to grow in our faith and let them come together so I am walking by faith and acting by faith and I can trust God God cares for me even again your sorrow can be a thousand things it doesn't have to be the death of a loved one that's always the most tragic it seems but a thousand things may cause us problems in life but whatever those problems are is God a yes God's able well show it show it lean upon him I told God years ago, I said, Lord, here I come. I'm swinging out. If you cut the rope, that's your business. But I'm swinging out. Get fat or die skinny. I'm trusting you to take care of me. And God, if you don't take care of me, I'm going to make you look bad. Because I told everybody you can take care of me. (laughs) My friend, I haven't lost any weight. I'm trying right now. But I haven't lost any weight. God's taking care of me, amen. And God's taking care of my wife. She's still skinny, but she, she trust me, she eats. And, uh, but we're all doing well. God's paid all the bills. We learn to trust God. God's able. So again, the weeping that men do and the weeping that Christ do are two different things. Our weeping and our sorrow is mixed with faith, knowing that Jesus, you know, we sing that great song, 
And I, I, when my heart gets heavy, when my heart is broken, when I'm in sorrow, I sing this song to the Lord about, for I, for I know whatever befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. Amen? Whatever happens. Sarah, will you come to the piano? Find that page number. Find that page and we'll sing that song this morning. We'll close out our service. I can't even think of the title right now. You know it? You don't know. Somebody, smart church members, what's the title of that song? Jesus doeth all things well. For I know whate'er befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. I'm looking up Jesus doeth all things well, but it doesn't fit in my songbook. Hey, Siri. All the way. All the way, my Savior leaves me. Never mind, Siri. Be quiet. You got the page number? 214. If this ain't the one I'm thinking of, we'll sing it anyway. Let's stand together as we sing, and then we'll close it out this morning. Let's stand together. 214. All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort, here by faith in him to dwell. For I know whate'er befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. For I know whate'er befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. Verse 2. All the way my Savior leads me, cheers each winding path I tread. Gives me grace for every trial, feeds me with the living bread. Though my weary steps may falter, and my soul a thirst may be, gushing from the rock before me, lo, a spring of joy I see. Gushing from the rock before me, Lo, a spring of joy I see. All the way my Savior leads me, all the fullness of his love. Perfect rest to me is promised in my Father's house above. When my spirit clothed immortal, Wings its flight to realms of day. This my song through endless ages. Jesus led me all the way. This my song through endless ages. Jesus led me all the way. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll close this morning. My friend, if you're here today, you're not saved. I encourage you to come meet us today. We'll have somebody take a Bible and show you how you can be saved. No greater joy than knowing Christ when life kicks 